Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A thrush flew across the lawn to the magnolia tree outside the dining room window. I could smell the faint, soft magnolia scent as I sat here on the lawn. Everything was quiet and still. Very distant now came the washing of the sea in the bay below. The tide must have gone out. The bee droned over us again, pausing to taste the chestnut blossom above our heads. This is what I always imagined, I thought. This is how I hoped it would be. Living in Mandalay. You're listening to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations of well-known books. Presented by me, Lloyd Shepherd, and you, Tim Wright. Hello, I'm Tim Wright, and this is part two of our adventure, taking Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier out for a walk. I sometimes feel this on this one the book was taking us for a walk rather than the other way around. Well, yes. Yes, it was leading us. Leading, leading us, us. On lead, a path. Into the woods. Leading into the us woods. into the woods. That's where we're. So we started off in Lost Withiel, yep. which is uh, our best guess for the market town where the inquest into Rebecca's death takes place. Lanyon. Uh, just to remind you, listener, if you've not read this book, and you really should, <laughs> that Rebecca is a story about a young woman, very young woman, who marries a much older man, Max. I don't give the name of the young woman because she, she doesn't give the name of the young no. woman. And she, I, I she is whisked she back to this though. massive estate in Cornwall called Mandalay, only to discover that the first Mrs. De Winter, Rebecca still sort of lives on as a as a ghost in the house by her housekeeper, Mrs. Danvers, keeping the place exactly like Rebecca would like it. Uh, and therefore this poor young woman who's come into the space is then discombobulated about what her identity is, why she's got married, wh- who this previous wife was, how can she live up to her standards, blah, blah, mm. blah. Anyway, so we went in search of Mandalay, and it's based on a house that Daphne de Maurier, the author, lived in for quite a while called Menabilly, which is just uh, up the hill from a harbour town called Foy in Cornwall. So F- anyway, I've been F- very F- factual about the whole thing. Oh, that was good. Yeah, so Menabilly is a place you, can, you can't actually get to the house. You can get close to the grounds, more of which are non. Yes. But, uh, so and we, we also b- got close to a pub. Hooray! We went, so we went on a, a, an epic walk, basically, around Menabilly. Yeah, trying uh, to find. And we've been to the beach, yeah. which is where uh, Rebecca's boathouse is and where she takes her boat There is a boathouse there. And dies in the river, and there is a boathouse there. But we haven't yet... And we went to the entrance of the Menabilly, which is the West Gate, which is where we're going to take you in a moment. Yeah. Because, obviously, the famous thing about this book well, probably the most famous thing do you not think is the opening of the film the first for the hitchcock film 1940 with last night i dreamed of mandalay yeah. and it's about driving down the drive of this and it's all overgrown and the trees have taken it over uh, it's an iconic opening to a novel it really and, is. and a film and a film and so we try thinking about the drive was something we were getting slightly obsessed about right we were but westgate doesn't Westgate doesn't really give you access to a drive. No, we just stood outside there thinking how to rob the place. We did. 
there was a padlock and a chain upon the gate. I called in my dream to the lodgekeeper and had no answer, and peering closer through the rusted spokes of the gate, I saw that the lodge was uninhabited. No smoke came from the chimney, and the little lattice windows gaped forlorn. Then, like all dreamers, I was possessed of a sudden with supernatural powers and passed like a spirit through the barrier before me. Well, so we're standing... And then I woke up. And then I woke up, or not. So we're standing at um, the West Lodge. The West Lodge. Gatehouse for uh, Menabilly House. We've walked up from the beach. Walked up from the beach. Very impressive gatehouse, I would say, and gate yeah. is open. Oh, the wind is up. The wind is high. The gate is actually open. It's a very well-preserved gatehouse with uh, mown, well-mown lawns and palm trees. Yes, the West Lodge. The, the windows are not latticed. One of them's open as well. And the gate is not, doesn't have spokes. So strictly private. It does say strictly private. We had we a got... very tantalising glimpse of the rooftops of... Very tiny Manab- glimpse Manab- through Manab- the trees. Manabili. Manabili. But it's very good. But it's also... Wrong. The, the, drive, the drive from here, as you can see on the OS map, is very straight to the house. And it's, so not, it's not the house, the, not the gate she comes in at. It's not that far. It's not, and she drives a long way. So this is the one that, roads. on the tourist trail, I think people would say, oh, I'm coming to look at the, man, the entrance to Mandalay. And it's not, but it's not it? the right thing at all. We think there might be another entrance. I'm pretty sure there is. We're going to go and t- hunt it out, aren't we? I hope so. You get a glorious view from up here, though, across the St. Austell. It's looking straight across. You're looking up, at St. Austell Bay. Up the and coast it's of St. Staggeringly beautiful. It's a beautiful What's the big day. peak up there? We're very lucky because we've got a clear view. There's a big peak up there, like a There mount. is, yeah. There's a beautiful golden sandy beach. The water is electric blue. It's wind very farm. welcoming. Some lovely wind turbines. So it is a very beautiful and romantic landscape, isn't it? And it's, I think we have astonishing, to, really. We have to think of this story in this book as a as a romance, don't we? Or a dream. Or a dream. More of which are non. Now, what we do need to do now, though, is head on round. We're basically doing a circuit. We're going around we're the, the perimeter. Cir- we're doing the Mandalay circuit. Yeah, as if we're... We've it, done about five kilometres so far. Five and a half kilometres. As if we're staking out the place. We've already found where the power goes in. We could cut off the power <laughs> to it. No problem. Yeah. I haven't seen too many CCTV cameras, which I'm surprised about. Well, you might not be able to see them. They might have us on camera right now. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do the full circuit to just work out its weak spots. Yeah. And also to see what the routines are. Oh, look, there's a delivery now. Time that, what's it? Just 12, 12.30, 1 o'clock. Went straight in, it didn't stop T- at the lodge. Tufnell's delivery. So that's our cover. We become two Tufnell's delivery workers. Yeah. We've we got stra- one of your parcels. Straight in there. Yeah. Or can we be a telephone engineer? <laughs> I've come to fix your telephone. <laughs> Does your dog bite? <laughs> no. <laughs> that your is dog. not my dog. <laughs> A berm. Were you expecting one? <laughs> Enough. Yeah. Right, onwards. Do you know there's a pub coming? Excellent. Yeah. She didn't go to the pub, did she? No, she went to Jamaica Inn. <laughs> of her own accord. Of her own accord. Is this, uh, when is this book set? Yes, well, we too- have an issue, don't we? It's published in 38, and in the opening chapter, yeah. the narrator is in exile somewhere in Europe. Yeah. I think it's France. Yeah. Talking about... Or possibly Egypt. ...the terrible things that have happened yeah. in their past. In the past tense. They're now living as two slightly more ageing, boring expats who other people in the hotel won't have, will pay no truck to really no so all the events of the the main events that happened in the past mm-hmm. so that's what we've got to work out is when is that and there are no dates so there's, there's an allusion to the arrival at mandalay's in may 
Yes, it is. Yes, uh, we came to Mandalay in early May, uh, and she'd been a bride of seven weeks yep. by that point. So yeah. she, they met in March. Late probably. February, early March, yeah, in, in, in Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo. And it ends in the end of August because the uh, magistrate comes and says, have you still got some raspberries left? And have you collected your apples? <laughs> it's got some raspberries left. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're going to be looking at various references in the book that we're going to have to pick up. Have you, w- what have you got? Uh, I've got two. Mm-hmm. One is a reference to hot music. Hot music? Gosh, Which I is a very 1920s phrase, is meaning jazz. When Miss, Mrs. Uh, Van Hopper is talking about going to New York, she's like imagining herself going to parties and having to talk to the young people about hot music. Yes. So I think that places the sort of the, the body of the book in the 1920s, but that's the only reference I've got. Yes. The only other reference to sort of a date later on, they talk about the cricket. Ah, oh, yes, I this? saw this. You got this? It talks about Middlesex piling up runs on a dry wicket at the Oval. Yes, now I didn't. Surrey. So, what, what did you find? Uh, Surrey v Middlesex, seventh to the ninth of August, nineteen thirty-five, day one. Surrey were were three hundred ninety-three. Middlesex were four for none. Day two, Middlesex scored five hundred and twelve runs in oh, one day. Okay, and that's the only time, only reference I can find to Middlesex scoring more than three hundred runs at Surrey yes, in the nineteen thirties. Um, so I'm saying. I'm the, saying that's the, the, the 8th of August. The 8th of August. 1935. 19, is, is, is when they're expats. And when they're looking expats. back in yeah. 1935. But you can't pin down the, the, have, when they got married. I have nothing for the 1920s right. other than the hot music reference. Oh, marvellous. So I've got a bit here. Yeah. So the first thing to say is she says she travels with a revelation suitcase. <laughs> You can't travel with a revolution suitcase before 1923 because it didn't exist. Okay. So it has to be after 1923. So that helps, doesn't it? Yeah. And then this is the one I think really helps, is that when they decide to have a ball, one of the people who gets very excited about this is the wife of the local bishop. Yeah. And she says... That she very much enjoyed the ball two years ago, Rebecca's last Rebecca one. organised it, yeah. Yeah, and then she died the, that next year. And she's very clear that her husband was inducted as bishop four years ago. Mm-hmm. So let's look up local bishops of Cornwall. Is it the Bishop of Cornwall? Is that the. Well, uh, the, there are two bishops in Cornwall. Are there? Yes. Yes. Bishop of Truro? Well, there's two C's, yes. Uh-huh. yes. So, and the Bishop of Truro is the nearest one yeah. and the most likely one. So. The Bishop of Truro was Walter Freer, was inducted in 1923. And then the next one is Joseph Hunkin in 1935. So it's got to be Walter Freer, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So that was four years ago. We're talking about 1927. So that's not bad, is it? Well, that was the first. That was the ball that was two years ago. No, that's the ball now. So that's that's okay. the, the ball where 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 the where the author wears the dress. So the action the is taking place in 1926 and 1927. Yes, I think so. Okay, very good. Uh, it, it, then that means that Rebecca died in 1926. Yeah. Now, when did she die? What time of year? Yeah. What do we think? Uh, I don't know. Here's where we go, because when they get to the doctor, they're talking about six months ago, don't they? Well, they say to the doctor that that, she, that when he looks up his records. Yeah. He says that she came to visit him on the 12th of the month. Mm. So it's a 12th. Now, what about this? Is that very early on, there's a note found of a book of poetry inscribed by Rebecca to Max for a birthday present. Mm. And his birthday is the 17th of May. So how don't you think Rebecca would like that idea that if just before his birthday she presented him with this ghastly message about I'm going to have a baby and it's not yours mm. Do, don't you want to kill me Max mm. very nice 12th of May so 12th of May so 1926 she goes and visits the doctor and she dies the next day I think it's the next day next the day. 13th of May 1926 very good which is um, the day that the general strike ended <laughs> yes well that happens in another world to all this, doesn't it? The general strike. I was going to say, how did she get... I mean, she's not, not noticed that. But for Max, obviously, he's managing his estate and stuff. That must have been a quite a big deal, the general strike, don't you think? If everybody just not working. Did the farmers go on strike? Well, I would assume so, wouldn't you? I thought it was all the cities. 
Anyway, so I'm I'm going I'm going with the 13th of May 1926 is when the terrible deed takes place. So it's August 1935. It's also the it's the, the day it's the day that Amundsen flew over the North Pole in a in an airship <laughs> to continue the winter theme. Another beautiful beach. Do you know what? A cove. I'm so annoyed that I got a cold because that water just looks unbelievably enticing. It really does, doesn't it? We're at uh, Polkeris Beach. Uh, we're outside the Rashley Inn. Highly recommended, I would say. Yeah. Very nice man. Nice beer, nice food. Came out with nice some stuff. beer. We, well, you came out with the beer. We're Very sitting, nice at, a, we're sitting at a sloping table. <laughs> Very sloping table, but I quite like it. It's on the old, uh, it's on the old boat ramp, isn't it? And uh, so it's basically we've been we've come down off the road, the, the sort of circuit, the Men Billy circuit. Yes. Down to this beach, and yeah, the reason why. Yeah, there was a reason. It wasn't just because there was a pub here. Well, I think it's important to design in a pub into the route well, for the listener not for me for I've got listener. to say of all the pubs I've been to a pub on a beach on a sandy beach yeah in the sunshine yeah is a I don't think we've ever been to an, as nice a pub setting no Rashley Inn listener yeah Rashley Inn recommend but the reason we're here is that after um, Daphne du Maurier gave up on Men of Billy well her lease ran out right yes after 20 something years so but she moved just down the road to a quite a big house called Kilmarth. Yeah. Which is Keris. directly above this Polkeris beach. Yeah. And in that Rebecca's Notebook book that I've been getting all my info out of, yeah. my sheets out of, she writes a rather marvellous essay about living alone after her husband's died in Kilmarth. She goes for a walk in a storm, dressed like Tolstoy in his declining years... <laughs> Fur cap with ear flaps, padded jerkin and rubber boots to the knee, I venture forth. Moray, my West Highland terrier, taking one look at the sky, back swiftly into the porch, but brutally I urge him on and we cross the garden to the fields beyond. Where I lived before, at Menabilly, there was a shaded path known as the Palm Walk, and on rainy or windy days, flanked by tall trees, I could amble along it peacefully, snipping at the drooping heads of blue hydrangeas still in bloom. Here at Kilmarth, I know no such latitude. The sloping field I am bound to traverse, if I walk at all, is under plough, and the herd of the South Devon cattle who tramp daily across the as-yet unsown soil, having first satiated themselves with roots a little further down, have turned the field into another Passchendaele. <laughs> It's quite long-winded, isn't it? It's a slightly unfortunate reference, isn't it? Well, maybe, but I, the self-dramatisation in it... Oh, really, yeah. ...of uh, I am Tolstoy going out into the elements and stuff is very apparent. Yeah. You can't say that Re- Rebecca is without drama. The events upon events, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and there is a kind of self-dramatisation of the narrator of I'm in this world where things happen all yeah. the time. Yeah. Well, she faints as well, and she faints in the coroner's. Yeah, it's very sort of heightened. Yeah. And emo- and very emotionally open, as yeah. it were, to sort of being blown with the wind with your emotions. And all the stuff about hiding from people as well is a bit. Yes. So I think that's very much a characteristic of her writing style. Yes. Uh, is coming through. So what do we do as members of the curiously specific book club? What do we do with people who are who relate? experiences in that heightened way do we still think they're being specific or is it part of who they are anyway well yes that's a good question I mean, question I think that's a thing though isn't it i mean it's not it's it's, it's a deliberate thing here's it's another one you see, she says she goes out and, and she's overlooking the the sea here in a storm we crouch side by side her and her dog above little hell enduring some of that same discomfort which political prisoners experienced in the torture chamber of the Tower of London, known as Little Ease. So basically she's just gone out for a walk in the rain and now she's... Now she's, she's being tortured. She's, be, she's like someone in the torture chamber of the Tower of London. Blimey. It's just quite exhausting to be around. Well, here's where I think you might have some sympathy. Me, personally? Well, she says, It is some comfort to think of all the things I would rather not be doing. Yeah. 
ringing the front doorbell of people I don't know well, but <laughs> whose invitation to drinks has been reluctantly accepted. Yeah, and, and totally as the door opens, one. being met by the conversational roar of those guests already arrived. I'm totally with her on that one. Yeah, ready for the next one? <laughs> standing in the model... I'd rather go for a walk in the hail. <laughs> standing in the model gown department of a smart London store, endeavouring to squeeze myself into an outfit yeah. designed for someone half my age. Yeah. <laughs> This is all good. <laughs> Circling any airport in a fog, yeah. or worse still, waiting for the fog to lift and sitting in the airport oh. lounge, hemmed in by balls, all of them bent on exchanging their life history. I could have written this. <laughs> this is amazing. This they, is great. Yeah, so, so I told you, you might suddenly switch. Do you know what, uh, do you know what my wife calls this kind of behaviour? Catastrophizing. Catastrophizing. Interesting. So do you know why she has that word in her armoury? Well, because she's married to you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then Rebecca would be not the book it was if it wasn't for the fact that the, the narrator is living on the emotional edge all the time. All the time. And the tone at the beginning, when she's looking back, yeah. when she's older, is yeah. completely different, right? Yes, because... It's calm. Well, because there is a moment, though, isn't there? Max says, says uh, you've grown up, I see in your face. You're not that little girl anymore. I've ruined you. Yeah. You have the look of experience. Yeah. He says in that creepy way. He's a creepy man. man, isn't he? I'm going to have to trade you in for a younger woman. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's all coming. Uh, she's, as an older woman, she's down here thinking about that. In Polkeris. This, this is where it's happening. This is where she's catastrophizing herself. Yeah, this is where the second Mrs. De Winter lives out her latter years. Yeah, is. without Max. Well, yeah, he's. He's gone. He must be about 90 by then. God, I hope, so. I hope she got rid of him somehow. I hope she did him in or something. He's so unpleasant. I imagine just leave him in the south of France, wherever they are. Yeah, leave, him there. leave him there. With the, what's he the wouldn't f- notice. He'd be busy reading the cricket schools. She could just get up and leave. He'd go. <laughs> he wouldn't even notice. He'd notice. Must you dance every dance with the same fortunate man? You have danced with him since the music began. Won't you change partners and dance? Tommy suddenly appeared. That's your husband. Uh, yes, this was in 1932. I was down there having had an appendicitis, and he suddenly turned up in his boat. To and see you? Sa- uh, no, well, this was it, you see. He said, I've read your novel, The Loving Spirit, and liked it so much, uh, could I possibly call on you? Which he, he did. And I thought, my God, you know, this is it again. <laughs> he was quite something. Uh, oh, yes. And uh, that was April, May, June, July, three months, three months later, we were married and off in the same boat to the Helford River for our honeymoon. The best looking man and in London. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. <laughs> if you think I'm one of the people who try to be funny at breakfast, you're wrong, he said. I invariably ill-tempered in the early morning. I repeat to you, the choice is open to you. Either you go to America with Mrs. Van Hopper or you come home to Mandalay with me. Do you mean you want a secretary or something? No, I'm asking you to marry me, you little fool. <laughs> <laughs> the man's an arse. He's such an arse. He's such an arse. Who are those people who try to be funny at breakfast? <laughs> who are they? <laughs> I think it's interesting because we talked a bit about uh, Gerald de Maurier being uh, an arse of a certain stripe. Yeah. And she obviously married a military man. Yes. So she's quite used to military men, sort of their, their their standing. But I think it's quite interesting in the in the the twenties in particular. There's quite a lot of anxiety around about maleness. I would say. Oh yes, there's quite a lot of. Uh, How do you know that? I read a couple of things. I read. I was reading about the bright young things. You know, oh yes, sort of men putting dresses on and uh, wearing yeah. clothes. I was also reading about Lord Beecham. Warmer Castle and Homosexuality in 20... I'm getting this from the English Heritage website. Gosh, so um, that's a bit racy for English so Heritage. William Ligon, born in 1872, he succeeded as far as L. Beecham in 1891, owned Warmer Castle, basically, which is on oh, the is English coast. It's, yes, uh, I think one I've of the, been there. It's on the south coast, isn't it? Yes, I think I've been there. But he was quite an interesting chap. He got a reputation in the 1920s for having very racy parties at Warmer. Mm. Invited lots of high-class friends. There's a quote here from uh, the memoirs of Lady Christabel of Aberconway. Gosh. who wrote that one Sunday my host asked my husband if he and I would like to see one of the famous castles of the Sank Ports. Delightedly, we accepted. We arrived at Walmer and were shown into a garden surrounding a grass tennis court. There was the actor Ernest Thessinger, a friend of mine, nude to the waist and covered with pearls. Uh, so there's quite a, there's quite a lot of, lot of gone. Anyway, so in 1930, he, he went on a round-the-world tour and he took a young valet, who everybody knew was his lover. But his brother-in-law was the Duke of Westminster. Bullying, womanising, angry man, English Heritage describing describe him as. So, you know, a little bit of Maxim de Winter, I'd say, about the Duke of Westminster. OK. He'd always disliked Beecham, jealous of his brother-in-law's public office and apparent domestic happiness. So in 1931, he publicly denounced his brother-in-law as a homosexual to George V, who reportedly <laughs> responded, Why? I thought people like that always shot themselves. <laughs> So he insisted that Beach should be forced into exile. Because so of he, that? Yeah. He went to Germany first and then spent his time between Paris, Venice, Sydney and San Francisco. Wow. His wife, Let- Letty, who was Westminster's sister, submitted a petition for divorce. Uh, and in the petition, she said, A man of perverted sexual practices who has committed acts of gross indecency with male servants and other male persons and has been guilty of sodomy. Are you suggesting that Max is a repressed homosexual? No, I'm just suggesting that Max is the Duke of Westminster. Oh, who doesn't like anyway, it? doesn't that like stuff. that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, so that when, when he talks about Rebecca going up to London and unspeakable things happening yeah. and it's shaming the family. Absolutely. That's what that's, that's what about. about. And anyway, uh, Westminster wrote a letter to Beecham after all this happened and he just said, Dear bugger-in-law, you got what you deserved. <laughs> Yours, Westminster. That's very Maxim, isn't it? <laughs> Dear bugger-in-law. That's quite a good story. But the point of it is, is this was all the inspiration for Brideshead Revisited. Oh. He was the character of uh, Lord Marchmain was based on Beecham, while his son Hugh was the inspiration for Sebastian Flight. Oh, gosh. So that whole model of male behaviour, Duke of Westminster yes. representing one model and yeah. Lord Beecham another model, is all told in that story. The second thing I wanted to talk to you about was... Have you heard about getting Steinacked? No. Well, apparently this was all the rage in the 1920s, mate. There was a great deal of concern about men losing their vigour. Oh, yeah. There was quite a lot of work going on uh, about grafting minced monkey gonads onto the testicles of older men. 
<laughs> to try what? and retain their vigour. Um, Hold on a minute. What, what website are you on at this I, point? This is from the uh, University of McGill University Office for Science and Society. Where how the hell did you get there? Getting Stein Act was all the rage in the Roaring Twenties. The Great War was over. Cars were multiplying on the streets. Radios were crackling in living rooms. Plastics were hitting the market. But in Vienna, there was another kind of roar. It was emanating from thousands of older men who claimed to have regained their virility through what seemed to be a stunning advance in medicine. They had been Steinacked. Steinacked. So anyway, so, so there's a guy called Eugen Steinack. Steinack thought that the benefits ascribed to transplants could be achieved by alternate procedure. Damming the seminal canal could, would stimulate the testes to produce more male hormones. Basically, he gave you a vasectomy before there were vasectomies, half vasectomies. This was so popular and so famous, Sigmund Freud had it done. How do you like that? Um, when, Sigmund Freud When had did it he done. have it done? At the age of 67. What year is that then? 1920s. William Butler Yeats had it done. Oh, right. well, that doesn't so, surprise me. Yeah, when he was 69. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It revived my creative power, Oh, yeah. Yeats wrote in 1937. Okay. Apparently, in more one way, the doctor who had performed the snip invited a woman half Yeats's age to dinner with the aim of allowing the writer to make a connection and test out his newly embellished virility. Yeats is 69 at this point. It seems the outcome was successful, with Yeats publicly reporting on his second puberty. <laughs> leading to the Dublin press nicknaming him the Gland Old Man. Oh, my God. Do you know what? As you're saying, I didn't think we were going here. <laughs> One of the things I've read in some of the more sort of feminist-leaning literature about Rebecca, yeah. there's a big question mark about whether they have sex at all. No. There is an allusion to it. The sister says something. Well, she says, oh, you're not in the fact, because she says she's been a bit unwell, or oh, you haven't. And and she, it's she asked, how is that or something? I she? think it's also an insinuation that sister said, "Oh, you must have got married because he got you pregnant." Yeah, and and she says, "No, there's no chance of that." Yeah. and then I think there is a, the idea that they had separate beds as well. Yes, um, well, so quite a lot of couples did those. Yeah, they? but I think the idea that they didn't consummate their marriage basically, I think it's and that in Max there. is not interested in having sex with her, it's really. In there. And also, it's also clear that when Rebecca says, "I'm pregnant," she knows that it can't be his. And he knows that, and that's what makes him angry. Yeah. Because he knows it. So, so he's he, not sleeping with Rebecca either? No. Or has he had a vasectomy? Or is, has he been Steinbacked? Yes. Yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah. been So basically, he's a very, very sort of manly who man doesn't have sex. who just doesn't have sex. He's not interested he's in sex. He's been Steinbacked. That's what it is, isn't yeah. it? Yes, okay. Yeah. I, it took me a while to see where you were going with that. <laughs> he's but been I, I think that, that kind of figures. New Action Man Soldier, now with lifelike hair. Famous British uniforms for you to collect. Authentic in every detail. And talking commander too. Enemy aircraft. Action stations. Here they come. Action man red devils over the dropping zone with parachutes that really work. It's all action with the new action man. We're going to keep you in suspense a little bit longer, listener, mm. about the final location. Because, obviously, the mother load for this book is the driveway to Mandalay. Absolutely. the opening of the book, yeah. it's so sort of redolent and atmospheric yeah. that surely it must be a dream. It must be a dream. It can't be a real place. Can't be. Because Impossible. it only appears in her dreams. Well, with all your talk about manly men... Manly men? We haven't talked about Daphne du Maurier's husband... Well, he's rather neglected in the record, isn't he? Well, in the, in the Du Maurier record, anyway. Well, yeah, and he shouldn't be. No. Lieutenant General Sir Frederick Arthur Montague Boy Browning, GCVO, KBE, CB, DSO. Well, extraordinary guy. He was an Olympic bobsleigh competitor. <laughs> was did he? you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Yeah, yes. He had a difficult First World War, didn't he? He did. He was on the Western Front. That's where he got his DSO. He was at the Battle of Cambrai. Yeah. He was actually aide-de-camp to Sir Henry Rawlinson of Rawlinson's, oh, of Rawlinson's End. <laughs> How brilliant is that? Very good. How brilliant is that? Very good. As a connection. Yeah. I've got very strong feelings that he suffered from terrible PTSD. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he had a drink problem by the end of his life. He looks quite haunted in later in life, the pictures of him. Apparently he's a very neurotic difficult guy to deal with. Yeah. Friends of Montgomery, another neurotic difficult guy. Yeah. So obviously he met her. He, got a, he read her novel and thought, she's a bit of stuff. He went uh, to find her, didn't he? In, he, he, in he got a boat and he just kept sailing past her house until he got noticed. Side. Yeah. I think his sister noticed sister him. Sister noticed him and she said, there's a threatening man outside. And threatening apparently meant 
dishy and interesting. I like their slang because also I noticed in their family slang that going to Cairo w- <laughs> was was um, having a heterosexual relationship with somebody, oh, a really? secret affair. And obviously she went off to Egypt with him. Didn't she, she went to Cairo. Going to Cairo. And he bagged her, yes. They got married. They had a whirlwind re and they got married three in... Three months after they met. And they? married in the church yeah. in Cornwall. Yeah. He had a big Second World War. In fact, right. he had, he's just generally big uh, career. He's known as the father of the British Airborne Services. And he basically invented the English paratrooper. Oh, really? The idea of them. But not just about being in, putting the force together. He designed their uniforms. Your little action man wouldn't have... That's not a euphemism, by the way. Your little action man actually talking about my wouldn't little action have man. a maroon beret if it wasn't for Boy Browning. Oh, he invented the colour... The red beret? Yeah, the claret thing. Wow. That the Germans called the Red Devils. They did. He designed it. That was his idea. Oh, wow. And then, um, obviously, then he was very busy during the war. Yeah. Was in charge of the 1st Airborne Division. Now, obviously, the most famous thing that the 1st Airborne Division got involved yeah. with is Operation Market Garden. Operation Market Garden. September 1944. Yeah. And did you know that this is the man who, during the planning of that operation, was alleged to have said, I think we might be going a bridge too far. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and therefore has was played by, in the film... Dirk Bogart. Dirk Bogart. Dirk Bogart. Apparently Dirk Bogart, they, he said he knew him in the war. He'd been in, they'd met each other, so that his his performance was based on knowing him. But there he is. He is a proper man man. He's a manly man. Very good friends with Mountbatten and the Duke of Edinburgh. And Montgomery. Yeah. Their son, uh, sorry, their daughter, Mm. Daphne and his daughter, married the son of Montgomery. So, in terms of the men flying around Daphne du Maurier, blimey. Yeah. Blimey. Quite a lot of broken bones. Broken heads. Well, I think the lesson of this is if you hang out with toffs all the time, yeah. what, do you, what do you expect? Or toffs and actors. What do you expect? Toffs and actors you're done for. At first, I was puzzled and did not understand and it was only when I bent my head to avoid the low-swinging branch of a tree that I realised what had happened. Nature had come into her own again, and little by little, in her stealthy, insidious way, had encroached upon the drive with long, tenacious fingers. The woods, always a menace even in the past, had triumphed in the end. Well, we've had one of those moments, haven't we? Pretty good, isn't it? Walking down the Saints Way from uh, Polkeris back towards Foy. We were going around the north side of the estate of Menabili. At one point, the the public footpath actually cuts through the Menabili estate, just like a little spur of it. As we were saying, we didn't think the the gatehouse that she's talking about was at that end because they drive through the woods to get to there. It's quite a long way. And we were wondering if there was another gatehouse at the end of this spur of land. This is going to require one of your excellent maps to explain. I'm looking forward to it. In summary, we're standing on the driveway to Mandalay. Yeah, we really are. Right? Well, because we came down through the woods. Yeah. And then suddenly there was a bridge. We were going under a bridge. The pathway goes under a bridge. So now we've climbed up onto the top of the bridge... And we clearly see this is a bridge that's part of a driveway. That's completely overgrown. That's, has completely overgrown with, over the But years. with quite, you know, young growth. I mean, the trees are 20, 30 years old, maybe, maybe 40. So, But we, you, can, you can, if you if you just look up through the woods, you can see where the driveway would have gone. Yeah. And it's completely overgrown. Yeah. And um, it's brilliant. I mean, we're standing where Max drives her to Mandalay. Yes, but it's also now exactly like the dreamscape at the beginning of the book. Exactly like the dreamscape. It's like we've walked into her dream. We've walked into the dream, and now we won't wake up. Now we won't be able to get out. I'm delighted, because I had the hunch that that gate that everybody goes to isn't the gate. Well, you had that hunch, and you also had the hunch that the footpath would cross the driveway. Yeah. What we didn't know is that we were going to encounter a bridge. Yeah. An old brick bridge. Not as scary as the one in The Woman in Black. No. So I was quite happy to walk underneath it. Well done. 
Um, and then you, we, we climbed up the other side and we're standing on top of the bridge now, which is essentially the driveway. We're, we're right in it, aren't we? We're right in it. It's, yeah. yeah. So, so we'll for all the things I've been saying about her having a heightened idea of reality and, um, and sort of uh, creating dreamscapes rather than curiously specific scapes, this is actually bang on. Daphne du Maurier must have driven up this drive. Well, she trespassed up here for she a number of years. Just so as you are doing now. Just as we are, we are trespassing. And I haven't seen you more confident in your trespass than well, you were when you just piled up We just walked just off the path, haven't we? It's not, You're it's, still doing it. It's not a long way. You're still doing it. It's, it's baby steps, mate. You start baby here. Steps. Before you it's know like, it, it's like you're going to be uh, sitting gate, on a bed in Buckingham Palace or gateway, something. <laughs> gateway drug. <laughs> gateway drug. Yeah. It's quite odd because people are walking on the path underneath us. And, and they they're saying to know. each other, is, is somebody recording a podcast in there? No, there's, no, because obviously she's in a dream. She doesn't exist. So the, the, there's the ghost no, the I mean narrator. The peop- what, the people walking on they the path? They don't notice us at all, though, because we're not here, because oh, we're in a dream world. We've ceased to exist, okay. We've ceased to exist. Yeah. We've well, we are mid-50-something men, so we have become functionally invisible. We've walked invisible. into Man- Mandalay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. It's fantastic. Uh, and you can find it yourself. Yeah, as I say, if if you're a patron supporter you're going to get one of our lovely maps well, one of tim's lovely and maps. i'm going to i'm going to get you right there in fact i'm going to give you a beautiful circular walk yeah it'll all be the about way around from foe around the whole of menabilly well we'll talk about it where we will have done with a pub halfway around we'll have done 10 kilometers by the time we get back to the car park you don't even need to walk. have the book no it's just a lovely it's walk, a lovely walk. <laughs> it's quite nice too. if you're a rebecca fan you could stand you, on the drive to you've Manly. got to come and do this it's great This is what I was going to say to you, wasn't it? The first thing she says is, last night I dreamt of Mandalay. Now, when I was a teenager, I used to write down my dreams. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why. Yeah. And <laughs> why, do I, why do I find that so strangely unsurprising? <laughs> I found them not long ago. Yeah. And I was so appalled by them that I threw them away. <laughs> why um, were you appalled by them? They were so boring. Oh, Okay. And badly written. Yeah, it was just awful. But actually, the worst thing about it, yeah. the stylistic thing about it, was I said it would start off with my dream. Blah, 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 yeah. And every page, at the end of every page, I, I wrote the line, and then, then I, I woke, woke up. up with no irony whatsoever. Yeah. Now, I look through Rebecca, the novel. Where is that phrase? Yeah. And then I woke up. Yeah. It's not there. So the whole thing's a dream. When does she wake up? So, I so put she's not like you. You didn't wake up. <laughs> she didn't. There, there is another Tim Wright school reference of Daphne du Maurier. Did you spot this? I oh, don't. You're not doing them so as she well. Was, she was at school. She, no, don't no, be ridiculous. She was at school. It's a reference to an earlier podcast. She was at school when she started writing, and yeah. she could obviously write very well. She wrote a short story when she was at school that was widely accepted by the teachers as being the best short story written that year. Oh. But she didn't win the prize. Do you know why? Bad handwriting. Bad handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. Yeah, so there you go. I knew I knew she and she and me. Yeah, you've got that in common. Weird and, dreams and bad handwriting. And then we woke up. That's your second album. <laughs> so we're going to do the rating now. Yeah. We're going to reduce this quintessential famous book to two marks yeah. a, a, an artistic merit rating laughable mm-hmm. and a, a curiously specific rating Q-spec. which we define quite carefully as being how seriously does the author take dates and locations that's right we're not saying you have to be completely precise although we like that we like a bit of precision we like that but but we want to know if you're being serious about when you decide to break the rules mm. so what are you going for first 
I will go artistic, and I don't think it's going to surprise you that I'm going to give this a big, heavy score. Yeah. Because I really got into this book, and it made me want to read more and more of Daphne du Maurier because mm -hmm. I liked it so much. I'm nearly going 10. Well. Am I going 10? I'm going 10. He's going 10. He's going 10. I think it's partly because I'm influenced by the film because I would probably think that that is in my top 10 all-time great films as well. It's a lovely, it's a great film. So I think that's colouring it a bit as yeah. well. That helps. And then obviously just the sense of place by being down there as well and the Cornish coast. But just generally, I just find it to be an extraordinary book because you are ambushed. You think, oh, this is going to be a funny sort of corset ripping romance about men and women in the Cornish coast. And then it's so not. Yeah. And it rattles along. It sort of stuff happens all the time. So it starts off in South France as a little romance, mm. then it becomes a creepy gothic ghost story, very much influenced, I would say, by Jane Eyre. Mm. Well, she said that. Yeah, it's, it's the same template, really. It really is. No, it's no, none the worse for that either. And then it goes into becoming a kind of murder, are you going to get away with it story as well, as mm. on top of that. I, I don't disagree with any of that. I don't think it rattles along in the middle. I think it sags quite a lot in the middle, actually. I find myself getting a bit bored in the middle section of the book. The first quarter and the last two quarters of the book, shall we say, mm. are, are amazing. I, I would be a 10. I'm going to slightly knock her down a score, a point to nine mm. because of that slightly sagging middle bit. But okay. I agree, the, it, it's a book that repays attention. She's a writer that repays attention. And actually, the more you read her other stuff, I found, the more you appreciate Rebecca as being, not because the other stuff's bad, quite the contrary. It's that the more you can see the art, the artist emerging. Yeah. So um, I think she's an absolute genius. I really do. And, wow. you know, the more, obviously quite troubled as a, you know, quite tortured individual herself. Yes, absolutely. Um, which, you know, can only make, <laughs> only make her more interesting. Well, really. I think the way she synthesizes her world of fiction with her own interior life it's and working her own things out it's is so brilliant. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's so really good. A nine and a ten? Oh, yeah, I think so. Amazing. I think so. Okay, so um, curiously specific rating? Well, this one's tricky, isn't it? Because it's a dream world. It is based on men of Billy. I don't think we've got any doubt about that, have we? Nope. The walk takes us right round her world. Mm -hmm. We get it. The only thing that was slightly off was where the inquest take place. It wasn't lost with it. When we drove out of Cornwall, we went through Bodmin, and Bodmin felt much more like it. The town of Bodmin, yeah, absolutely. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the but, county town, so, isn't it? Yeah, So and, and driving in, talking about the views down and across the... You know, to see it from the road and all that was all bollocks. Mm. And she's got her left and right wrong on the mm. beach. And I, I'm a bit suspicious about the east and west bit about that you can see the sea from the, the west wings. and the east, eat the rose garden from the east. I'm a bit yeah. suspicious about that as well, yeah, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a very high mark yeah. because you can have a fantastic Rebecca based adventure. Yeah. You could take that book and I think you could pretty much, on a nice sunny day, you could read it in a day while doing that circuit walk. You could. And stop off for lunch at the Rashley Arms, that pub was called. It's the family pub. Of course it was, the Rashley Arms. Yeah. And I didn't make the connection, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you could really have a proper book-related day yeah. and really immerse oh, yeah. yourself. On a fine day with the weather good. So I'm going eight. Going eight? Yes. I'm trying to think if there's any of that I disagree with. I think it's quite interesting that she invents the names of the towns such yes. that she can say that Lanyon is where it is, but be a bit like Truro. Mm -hmm. She's not going to do uh, Sarah Waters. She's not going to move Truro closer to Foy. Thank God for that. <laughs> um, so uh, it still rankles. It still rankles. So uh, I think um, that you. Yeah, I mean, I have to go eight as well. You can't. There we are. You can't That's go any. That's a superb score. Thirty-five. Thirty-five out yeah, of forty. Out of forty. That's a super high score. Pretty good, isn't it? That's one of the top books there. Yeah. She's up there with Sarah Waters and John le Carre. She is. I'd in the say. Pantheon. <laughs> in the bar. In the Q-Spec bar. So it's not my microphone. They're at the Q-Spec Christmas party. They're at the school. They're on the high table. Along with... Actually, H.G. Wells is there as well. Yeah. I don't think we should let him sit next to Daphne du Maurier. H.G. Wells, Daphne du Maurier, John le Carre, and Sarah Waters. Yeah, walk into a bar. What a dinner party that would be, yeah? <laughs> and but discuss locations. Presumably Daphne and Sarah would be getting on very well. That's true. That might yeah. be helpful. H.G. Wells would be feeling left out. Would and, be feeling something. And judging by the recent reports, John LeCarrie would be trying to get off of the waitress. What are we doing? Yeah. Serving.
we should say our thank yous. We always say our thank yous at this point. We're, we're, very, always, we're very well brought up, young men. That's right. Like Daphne du Maurier. Like Daphne du Maurier. We're very polite and we want to say thank you. I have to say thank you to um, Learning Music. Oh yes, for our, our sting on the free music archive. For the use of a track called Trebek's Lament as our sort of theme tune, our bassy loop. I have another person to thank on the free sound archive, mm. which is someone called Innovating. Because I took a recording of Summer Daytime Porth Kerno Beach, Cornwall. Oh, right. Which is the stormy beach sound that I used. You had a lot of music in this podcast. I did have a lot of music, and I got a lot of it. Was it all out of copyright? (laughs) Well, yeah, you're checking, aren't you? (laughs) No, no, no. I know, it was was very good. It was very... uh, Well, what I checked You know what it reminded me of, listening to it? Yeah. Uh, It reminded me of watching The Shining. So it's got that kind of music all the way through. <laughs> nice. I, I got really, I got so into it that I actually went on to, I um, created a Spotify list for myself of that music. It's all from 1938. It's very good. So that it's exactly what you'd be listening to. So you're going to put the, the playlist up on our show notes. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So many of them were about dreams and things being real and yeah, swapping well, partners. It's a difficult time. They're all 78 RPMs and they're all available on the Internet Archive. Oh, very good. Okay. Yeah, so they are, it's safe, yeah. listener. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. very safe. You are, as, your, as your legal advisor. <laughs> I'd like to thank Best Western Hotels. Oh, you should. Uh, so the hotel we stayed in Lost Withiel. Yeah. Which I can't remember the name of now. Well, it's Best Western. I think that's what it was. It didn't have a name. Can't remember. Uh, anyway, it was the Best Western Hotel in Lost Withiel. Uh, it was excellent. The really delightful staff. They were really like, nice. kind of... You know, shockingly delightful. <laughs> they were very, very friendly, and they're very dog friendly. Very dog friendly. Very dog friendly dog. to my unfriendly dog. We had Ship's dog with us. Yeah. Didn't he growl at the barman at one point? Yeah, he did, but that's fair enough. He was talking too long. I would have growled if he carried on much more telling me about his life story and his he Duke of very, Edinburgh award. I would have, I would have growled yeah, at him he too. He was very, yes, very keen to tell us everything he was doing in his life. And he was only like fourteen. So <laughs> I'm sorry, did I ask? I'm trying to get a drink here. <laughs> so we've said our thank yous, and now we must prepare for the third. West Country Adventure. Yes, we're going to a fictional town mm. in a fictional county mm. to encounter a fictional hay trusser. Yes. And his fictional wife. Hold on a minute. This is meant to be curiously specific. Well, they are, we're also doing novels, <laughs> if you hadn't spotted that. I know our thing is that novels are actually the real world, but yeah. uh, in this one, it is. It is well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because this, this one, you can probably guess what we're doing. This is a, a real place. It's all based on a real place. It's just. The, the names have been changed to protect the innocent, but it's. Uh, you're making doing, it sound like a thriller. It's well, it's quite thrilling. It's very soap opery. Are we going to tell them? Are we going to tell them? No, we're going to have to no. wait. We're going to have to wait. 